This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We're approaching Lagba Omer, which will be next week, Thursday night. What is Lagba Omer all about? Everybody knows whoever was in Israel. Lagba Omer is Hilula, the Rav Shimon Bayechoi, the great tzaddik named Rav Shimon Bayechoi. He's buried in Moron. I'm sure a lot of you have been by his, uh, by his grave. And on Lagba Omer, he passed away, and we make a very big yontif. People go up there, and they, they, they pitch tents, and, they, and they, uh, they have barbecues, and they go to Davin, and it's, it's like thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And you would think that when a person dies, that's not, it's time to be sad, not it's time to do a hilula. So what's the whole thing of Rav Shimon Bayechoi? We're going to talk a little bit about Rav Shimon Bayechoi. On Lagba Omer, we sing Bayechoi. And the answer is that what Rav Shimon Bayechai brought to this world was the Zayar, was Kabbalah. Now, most of us in this room don't learn Kabbalah. So what does it do for you? What did he do for you? So we're going to explain, and, and the, 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 the non-Jewish people and the Madonnas of the world who go to the Kabbalah Center, right? That's not Kabbalah, because Kabbalah is the Kedusha Tahara. You have to be pure, you have to be on a very high level, you have to be older than 40 years old. You have to be pure inside and outside. Kabbalah is not magic tricks. Kabbalah is not telling you what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen in a week. That's not Kabbalah. Kabbalah is the secrets of the Torah. The secrets behind the secrets of the Torah. Rab Shimon Bayechai brought that down from Shemayim to this earth. And to thank him for doing that, even if you don't learn Kabbalah and you don't learn, you don't learn the Zayar, but that he brought it down to this world. Once it's in this world, it's it's here, and you get connected to it, and and it, and it helps this world very very much. And we come up Shimbaychoy brought it from that world to this world, so that's the whole reason that we have the Helula. Of course, we know that Rizal and 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 the Talmidim or learn, learn Kabbalah, and learn Kabbalah, and there's a lot written in Kabbalah, but Kabbalah is really for people who are learning the secrets of the Torah, it's a good thing to learn every day a little bit, not, again, not until you're older, not until you're clearer, but it's a, the best medicine for Neshama, for Neshama is, is to learn a little bit, to read, even if you don't understand, a little bit out of the Kabbalah, there's a thing called Chayk, that the Chassidim do, that some other people do, and every single day, you read for that day, you read Chumash, and you read Navi, and you read Suvim, and you read Mishnah, and you read Gemara, and at the end of it, there's Zayar, and there's, and there's Musr. The Zayar also is, is, is also supposed to, a little bit supposed to be read every day, even if you don't understand it. It's a very, very holy Kedusha. But, what does it do for us that it was brought down into this world? So I'd like to talk a little bit, you know, last week, people got a little scared. You talk about Mashiach. Every time we talk about Mashiach, people get scared. Instead of getting happy, they get scared. Because they don't understand, most, most of us don't understand what Mashiach is. Mashiach is for Hashem, it's not for us. Whatever. But, you know, what's going on in the world, if you open your eyes a little bit, and what's going on in China, 200,000 people, and earthquakes, and, and in Burma, right, uh, again, I'm not saying that they deserve it in Burma, when no, no child deserves to die, or a human being to die. Well, Burma happens to be the capital of the tomb of the world. Burma is the capital of Avodah it's totally in every front, in front of every house you'll see idols. It's a place of idolatry, totally idolatry. And but they, don't, they don't. I'm not saying that they deserve to die. But what happened over there in a typhoon in a couple of minutes? So many people died, and now people are dying. There's no water. There's no food. And the Rishoyim that run Burma are not allowing just to show you, not allowing the food that America and the whole world is sending to save these people. These Rishoyim, these evil people, are not allowing the food to come in. Sakash Baruch was trying to teach us, to show us, look, it's, it's not for you not to know, it's for you to know, look at the world that you live in, that there are people that are, are watching other people starve, and we're sending them food, and they're not allowing, allowing in the food, but I'll tell you a secret that's very, very scary, and it's brought down in Kabbalah, and it says that anything that happens in the world is because of Klal Yisrael, every tornado in the Midwest, every earthquake in China, Every typhoon in Burma was really supposed to have happened to us. And what happens in Shemayim when Xerah is written, that's supposed to happen to Klai Yisrael, that 20,000 Jews or 200,000 Jews are supposed to die. And there's a Gezerah like that against us. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu finds Rachamim because of the people in Klai Yisrael that are praying and the people that are fasting and the people that are doing the right thing. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu finds Rachamim on his children. 
he's able to divert the terrible typhoons. Ah, oh, there's no typhoon in, in New York. There can't be a typhoon in New York, right? There could be a lot of other things in New York. There could be a lot of other things in New York. And there could be a lot of things in California. And there could be a lot of things in Israel. And there could be a lot of things. There was an earthquake in Tzvaz many years ago. There could be an earthquake in Eretz Yisrael too. So Akash Baruch Hu is able not to, dis, not to wipe out the Gezerah. Because the other side wants their pound of flesh, so to say. So Akash Baruch Hu is able to divert this, this large, terrible disaster and death from Klai Yisrael and put it on the other people in the world. But we can't just walk by and say, oh, 20,000 Chinese, so what do I care? They got billions of them, you know? And people in Burma, you know, that's not a vacation spot for us. They don't have a hotel for Pesach in Burma. So who cares if Burma falls into the ocean, right? It doesn't make a difference. Wrong. Wrong. Any natural catastrophe is screaming at Kalal Yisrael. It was supposed to happen to you. And I pushed it off on the Goyim. But you should know that it was supposed to happen to you and you better straighten yourselves out because the next time I may not be pushing on to the guy. So we need to look at these things and we need to do tshuva. This is not just a piece of news. 22,000 and 100,000 people don't die because Hashem has nothing to do with this time but kill people, chas That's not what's happening over here. They took the hit instead of us. So we need to do tshuva. And we need to thank Hashem that it wasn't us. But we need to look at it and we need to feel bad for those people. There's, there's thousands of children that died. They could have been Chas Jewish children. They could have been our children. So when you look at those children, you have to say, that could have been my child. Thank you, Hashem, that you diverted it. But on the other hand, what did we do wrong that so many children in the world have to die? A Jew doesn't sneeze. I think with the Vilna Gun, a Jew doesn't sneeze in this world that it, and it doesn't have an effect somewhere else in the world. We are Selim Elohim. We are part of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Whatever happens in this, in this world is a cause and effect of us, not them. It's a cause and effect of us. So when you have one catastrophe after another catastrophe, China and Burma and the United States and tornadoes and another place, volcanoes, and the whole world seems to be erupting, it's a scream to the Jewish person to wake up. We know in Saras, right? Hashem first puts Saras on your house. And then on your clothing. And then on the person's body. Because Hashem figures if there's Saras in your house, you'll wake up and you'll do tshuva. If you don't, it gets closer to you. And you get Saras on your clothing. You still didn't wake up. And Hashem, you get Saras on yourself. So right now the catastrophes are not in the Jewish community. It's on the house. It's on the world of Hashem. It's on the house of Hashem. We don't want it to get any closer to us. So we need to look at these things and we need to do tshuva and we need to dominate to Hashem. It's not just happening. We are not Amalek. Amalek believes, eh, earthquake, it happens, you know, there's a, the pressure underneath the, the ground, the molten lava, this move, that move. Nothing just happens. This is a wake up, a very big wake up call for Klai Israel. And you should know something. That in the history of the Jewish nation, most of the terrible things that happened to the Jews happened during Sphira. The, the, the Holocaust started in Sphira. The 24,000 Talmudim started in Sphira. The, the, the terrible thing that happened in, in the, I forgot the name of the year, where they went in and they wiped out Jewish cities happened in Sphira. That's why I, I, my, my, my son-in-law who's a chassan, this past Shabbos, and we know that you don't say Avarachim, you don't say Tachna when there's a chassan in Shul. Right? The only time that you say Avarachim on Shabbos, which is like Tachnun, with a chassan in Shul, is during this month. Two months, Ir and Sivan, I believe. During the times of Sphira. Why? Because during Sphira, even if you have a chasen, so many tragedies happen in Sphira to Klai Yisrael, that we say, even when there's a chasen in Shul on Shabbos, we say Amar And therefore, if these catastrophes are happening in the world during Sphira, you have to see things that are going on. That's, you know, what I try to point out to my students is don't live in a world in a closet. If things are happening, you gotta see it and you gotta understand that it, it's, it's, it's happening in Sphira. All these thousands of people died in Sphira. And now they say it's 200,000 people and the number just keeps going bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's happening in Sphira. So it's a, it's a, it's a wake up call to all of us. It's a wake up call to Klai Yisrael. So it says like this. It brings down that when Mashiach comes, Rabbi Yosef says, 
I'm going to translate it into English. I will sit in the shadow of the manure, the waste of the donkey, and I will learn Torah. That's what it says. I believe it's a Gemara. Maybe in Sanhedrin. I'm not sure, but I believe it's a Gemara. So Rav Yosef says that in the times of Mashiach, I will sit in the shadow of the manure of the donkey and learn Torah. So the question is, what? what are you talking about? Number one, you're not allowed to learn Torah if there's manure around. You're not allowed to learn Torah in a bathroom. If a donkey who leaves himself on the street, there's a machlekes in the Gemara, and the Gemara Brachas talks about how far you have to go away, where the, the smell stops, whatever, how far you have to walk away to learn Torah. So what is he saying that in the time of Mashiach, in the shadow of the manure, not the shadow of the donkey, in the shadow of the manure, so that's a lot of manure. A manure, I mean, I don't want to get into it, but if there's shadow for the manure, that's a lot of manure, right? So what is it saying over here that in the shadow of the manure, you're going to sit and learn? You can't sit and learn in the shadow of manure. You got to run, mamish, run far away. What's, what's, it, what's it talking about over here? The shir that I'm giving over tonight is mostly from Rav Shem Shem Pinkus, all of Shalom, Amazing, an amazing, I'm going to say something tonight, which I've never said before, this is a new shir, which is a mind-opening statement, and we're going to get to it, and that's what the whole shir is going to be based on. I, I never heard this before, and when I heard it, Baruch Hashem Torah anytime is not in my kitchen, because I was acting silly. When I heard this, I was, I was dancing, I was like, this is, this is crazy, this is unbelievable. You'll know what, I, you'll know it when I say it. So, there's another Debrei Chazal that says the following. Im esek shamayim shamata. If I look for you in heaven, God, you're there. Vatsiya sha'ol v'hincha. And when I go into the sha'ol, that's the grave. When I go into the grave, you're there. So when I go to shamayim Hashem, you're there. When I go into the grave, into the dirt, six feet under, you're there. What are we saying? What is, what is it saying? We're saying pretty much what everyone here knows. Hashem is there. Hashem is here. Hashem is everywhere, right? Every kid knows that song. But what, what is he saying over here? What's, what's the statement? And this is very connected to what Rabbi Yosef says about sitting in the shadow. And a very important understanding of what the times of Mashiach is and what Hashem expects from us. In the times of Chizkiyahu, there was a king named Chizkiyahu. Chizkiyahu was a great king. He was such a great king that it says in, his, in the times of Chizkiyot, every girl, well it says actually every boy, every young child that walked in the streets of Yushalayim knew kol ha There was no kid at risk. There was no kid getting thrown out of yeshiva. If you walked over to a seven-year-old child and you said, tell me the Gemara, he knew the whole Gemara. You walked over to a, a seven-year-old girl and tell me, tell me all Tyre Nevi'im Muksubim by heart, she knew all Tyre Nevi'im Muksubim by heart. Chizkiyahu ran an educational center and he brought Torah and the, his door was supposed to be the door of Mashiach. We'll talk about it. Everyone was on the highest level. The famous story that happened in his famous story with Chizkiyahu, there was this terrible king named Sancherev. Sancherev decided he heard about this Chizkiyahu, the king of the Jews, and he heard about Yerushalayim, the, the most beautiful city in the whole world, he decided he was the king of the world. He had the, the army of the whole world. He decided to come down and he's going to show these Jews. He's going to wipe out Chizkiyahu, the Jews. He's going to take Yerushalayim and grind it into dust. And it's going to be a barren field. The Gemara says that Sancherev had hundreds of thousands of generals. If you do the numbers, he had millions and millions of soldiers against Yerushalayim and a teeny Chizkiyahu, a little Jewish army. We had no chance whatsoever. Chizkiyahu, stargazers, looked at the stars and told him what day the Jews don't have a good mazel, what day to come and destroy Yerushalayim. He came with his armies, millions with, with, with infantry, with, with archers, with, with everything that you could imagine. And he took one look at Yerushalayim and he said, this, I have taken down cultures. This is why I need an army. If every one of my soldiers spits, they'll drown the whole Yerushalayim. 
That's how many soldiers he had. I have to, he said, tomorrow we'll go with a couple of guys, we'll knock over the walls and we'll destroy them. The stargazer said, no, San Cherev, today. But he was a big shot. And he said, this, any day I, I can blink. If we call, we'll knock the wall. This is a joke. And he waited till the next day. That night, everyone knows the story, whoever doesn't know the story, that night, Chizkiyo went to sleep, right? Because, you know, when you can't do anything, you can't do anything, and he left it all to Hashem. And Amalach Hashem came and killed every soldier that was there to destroy Yerushalayim. They were all dead except for ten. A minion, Hashem left a minion. One of them we know was Nebuchadnezzar, who ended up much later destroying Beisimidish, but who didn't want to go down when he was told to go down, because he said, me? I saw what happened to Sancherev. I'm not. I don't want to go down. And then he did all his simon, and we'll talk about it. Tishabov. There won't be a Tishabov. We won't have to talk about it. But he did all his simon, and he. So, they all got killed. Except for ten. Now, it brings down in that story that the Melech of Kush and the Melech Mitzrayim, for some reason, they understood that Sancherev is going to take Yerushalayim. He's going to go next to Africa. He's going to go next to Mitzrayim. He's going to kill them. So they came to join Chizkiyahu to fight against Sancherev. Sancherev captured them. He realized that they were just going to go help the Jews. So he chained them up and put them in a room. And he said, tomorrow when we go wipe out Yerushalayim, we'll take care of these two guys. So the next morning, Chizkiyahu wakes up. He's ready for a big war. He comes out. They look out. And they're all dead. So he comes out with his Jewish soldiers and they come to the camp of Sancherev. Everybody's dead. And the ten people ran away. And sitting in a tent, they hear noise. And who's in the tent? Melech Kush, Melech Mitzrayim. Two guys, chained. So they, he unchains them. And we said, we learn from here that they came to help Chizkiyo because the Malach would have killed them if they weren't there to help Chizkiyo. And the Melech Mitzrayim, the Melech Kush, told Chizkiyo, we're going to tell the whole world the Jewish God has power that this angel came and, and, and he sent an angel and they wiped out millions, millions of soldiers. The world needs to know about this. So the Melech Paro and, and Melech of Kush, they went out and they sent emails to everybody and my place and your place and his face and that place. They, they posted it. Yeah, it was all posted up. And the whole world, because Jews, the Jews didn't know, but the rest of the world that were on my face and my face and your place, whatever, they all knew about it. So the whole world knew that Hashem did this miracle. Listen carefully. Amazing. It says like this. Chizkiyahu went back. He sat down and started his malchus again. He started learning, whatever. The Novi Yeshaya came to Chizkiyahu. He said, what are you doing? What are you doing? Go with your soldiers and sing Shira. Tashem. Hashem just saved you. He killed millions of soldiers while you were sleeping. By the way, it says Chizkiyahu was the least of Balemunas. There's a very big kasha on this. What do you mean he was the least of a person of Emunah? He went to sleep. He went to sleep and he said, God, you deal with them. Isn't that like everyone in this room would think? That's the greatest person with Emunah. And the answer is wrong. Robert Weinfeld's father, Shalom, said this. Amazing. He said, that's not Emunah. That's Emunah. That's hope. Hey, listen, I'm done. I'm stuck, you know. God help me. He said, Emunah is... If you go out, the Maccabees, they had a Muna. Because they went out, and they fought, and they won, and they said, it has nothing to do with me. It's Hashem. To go to sleep and be saved, so of course it's Hashem. That's not a testing. But to live life, to, to, to go out, and to make a panasa, and to make a living, and to, to buy the right stock, and now you made $100,000, and now you bought a building, and then you flip the building, and then you flip the next building, and all of a sudden you own 10 buildings, and then you flip the 10 buildings, and all of a sudden you have $10 billion, and everybody's giving you covered in shul, and everybody's giving you, wherever you go, you get in, you don't got to wait online. Uh, <laughs> I'm a good businessman. That first investment, then I flipped it, and I doubled it. For that guy, for that guy to say, it has nothing to do with me, it's all Hashem. That's a Balamuna. But for a person to go and buy a lottery ticket, a mega, whatever it is, and win $340 million and say, wow, there is a God. That's not a Muna. 
Because you can't say it was it was me, because the chance, they tell you the chance, is one in 40 billion. So one in 40 billion has nothing to do with me. So that person walking around, there's a God in the world. Oh my goodness, I just won $240 million. There's a God in the world? That's not a Muna. The guy that works and makes money and he thinks he's brilliant and he thinks because he went to college and he blames, and, and that, that person turns around and says, it has nothing to do with my college. It has nothing to do with my brilliance. It has nothing to do with what I inherited. It's all like Baruch Hu. That's a Balamuna. So Chizkiyo was on the lowest level. He didn't do anything. But if you go to war, and that's why it says, girls, that's why it says, Zivug is as hard as Kriyas Yamsov. In fact, Zivug is harder than Kriyas Yamsov. And Panasa, those two things, are as hard as Kriyas Yamsov. They're harder than Kriyas Yamsov. Because in Kriyas Yamsov, what does it say? It says that every maid, every maid, every shifcha, every non-Jewish maid that went through the Yamsov saw God. Of course you saw God. You're walking through, the ocean split, everything turned into glass, all the miracles, of course you saw God. But a shidduch, I, I put on the right perfume, and I lost a lot of weight, and my parents did this, and I picked the right shatchin, and I said the right words, and I got coached well, and did the thing, that's how I got the boy. Right? So be, to be able to say, I'm attractive, and I'm smart, and I have everything it takes, and it has nothing to do with that. Nothing. That's not what he liked. HaKadosh Baruch thank you for putting in his heart that he should want to marry me. It has nothing to do with the way I get dressed, or the perfume, or, or my college degree, or whatever you think it's you. For that person to say that it's all HaKadosh Baruch is harder than Kriyas Yamsu, because Kriyas Yamsu, you saw Hashem Zan, here you think it's you. What are the two things that you think it's you? Shidduch, and Parnasa. I made a living. I make a living. What do you what do you do for a living? Hey, don't we all ask that question? So what does he do for a living? He does nothing for a living. Because there's ten guys that are trying to do what he does, and they can't get they can't make enough money to buy bread. Hashem does for your living. What do you do for your living? Your answer should be I don't do anything for a living. I know how many girls here when you get that answer, you're gonna go out with that guy. Rabbi Wallstein, so what does he do for a living? Nothing. <laughs> but you need to know that. You need to know. And therefore, Parnassa is harder than Kriya Samson. Parnassa, it's so hard for you to see that the way you make a living, listen, I got a degree, I got a Meanwhile, I know five lawyers that don't have a job. I know five lawyers that can't get a job. And I know one lawyer that's making, woo So just because you're a lawyer, because you're a doctor, one mistake. One mistake and you're done. Whose hands are those when you're doing surgery? You mess up one surgery. You're done. So you went, you think medical school made you? Or that you're a lawyer? You made one mistake, they put in your mind to say the wrong thing or to hide something and, and you're disbarred. So you think, you think because you went to law school? Because Boku puts those words in your mouth. Any smart lawyer says a filler. Go to, go to Eichler's. There's a thriller for a lawyer. There's a thriller for a doctor. What do you have to say thriller for? I went to law school. I'm, I'm a lawyer. And the answer is, you can lose being a lawyer in a second. You can lose being a banker in a second. You can lose your business in a second. So therefore, Parnassa and Shidduch are the two things that... <laughs> That's me. It's harder than Kriyas Yamsov. Let's get back to... Let's get back to why. So the question is... So it says the reason that Chizkiyahu did not sing Shira was because he was a big shot. So everybody asks, you just said Chizkiyahu was his generation was on a door that a seven-year-old kid knew the whole Torah. You're telling me that someone like Chizkiyahu was a big shot? He was the Malchus that he was, he was a big tzaddik. What are you talking about? That's why he didn't sing Shira. So Yeshaya Hanavi went to him and said, you don't want to sing Shira with your soldiers? You don't want to thank Hashem? Why not? And he gave him three answers. His first answer is, sing Shira, we're going to learn Torah. Talmud Torah, connected Kulam. We're going to Yeshiva now. We don't have to sing Shira. What was his first answer. His second answer was, it wasn't such a big miracle for Hashem to send a Malach to kill 20 million 
Soldiers. Big deal. Yoshua. The time Yoshua, Hashem stopped the sun. Now to stop the sun, right, for the sun to stop means all the constellations in the whole world, all the mazolim, have to stop. So it wasn't just that the sun stopped. Everything in the galaxies had to stop. So Chizkiyot said, now that, for that you sing Shira, but to send some malach to kill a bunch of soldiers, that you don't have to sing Shira, it's not such a big deal. I would have sang Shira, he said, in the times of Yehoshua, when that happened, yeah, me and my boys, we would have sang Shira. That was the second. His third, his third, he says, why do you need me to sing Shira? The whole world knows about it already. Paro, and the Melakush, Paro from Mitzrayim, and the Melakush, they told everybody what Hashem did, it's too late to sing Shira. Thinking that the reason a person, this was his mistake, listen carefully, thinking that the reason that a person sings Shira is for the rest of the world to know. No. A person doesn't sing Shira for the rest of the world to know. A person sings Shira from your heart. A person sings Shira for yourself. When you sing to Hashem, that's not for other people to know. That's for you to know. Chizkiyahu thought, if the whole world knows, why are we singing Shira? That Shira is that we should sing so loud that everybody should say, wow, they sang Shira. So he did not sing Shira. Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi Omar in the Medrash. Ilu Omar Chizkiyahu Shira. If Chizkiyahu would have said Shira, Al Mapele Sancherev, on the fall of the king Sancherev, Hoyanasehu Melech HaMoshiach. Hashem would have made Chizkiyahu Melech HaMoshiach. Visancherev, Goygu Moygog. And the death and destruction of Sancherev would have been Gog and Magog. He would have been Moshiach. Moshiach would have come. We would not be sitting here tonight. In America. You hear? What are you saying the Madrash for Yeshua Malavi? All Chizkiyahu had to do was listen to Yeshaya and sing Shira to Hashem. The world as we know would have been over. Shiach would have been here. Hashem Echad Echad. It would have been Goy Gumagog. Over, done, finished. Chizkiyahu did not sing Shira. He lost out being Mashiach. So what's going on over here? He did not understand. Chizkiyot did not understand. He understood what I said before. That if you go to Shemayim. Im Osak Shemayim Shemata. He understood that if you go to Shemayim, that's where Hashem is. But he didn't understand that when you go down to the, to the bottom, to the Tahoim, the Hincha Hashem is there. So what he was saying is, Shira! Tyra! We're going to learn! To say Shira! And you think this is a big deal? This is, uh, you know, nuclear bomb killed a bunch of millions of people. You know, it happened in Hiroshima too. What's the, what's the thing she wrote over here? What's the big deal? It's not, it's not a big deal. What he didn't realize is when I opened up the, the shirat tonight, is that Akash Baruch said that in the time of Mashiach, you're going to learn Torah in the shadow of the dung of a donkey. Which means, doesn't mean literally that there's going to be a big pile and there's going to be a guy sitting there next to the pile. That's not what it means. What it means is exactly what's happening today. That there's going to be Yeshiva Mir and Yeshiva Tobadas and Yeshiva Chaim Berlin and Yeshiva Flappish and a Megan David and I, I can't I stop mentioning when I leave someone out, they're going to get all upset, right? And a Shari Torah and all these Yeshivos and boys are going to be learning. And shuls are going to have dafyamis, but they're going to be in the shadow of Manhattan, of the village, of the newsstands on Avenue J, of the internet, of MySpace, of cultural rap music, of pornography, of filth, in the shadow of all that garbage. There's going to be yeshivos and beisiakos and seminaries in Eretz Yisrael. And those seminaries are going to be in Yerushalayim in the shadows of Ben Yehuda on Amatze Shabbos with all the filth and the dirt in the shadow of Yaffa and Tel Aviv's beaches. There's going to be yeshivas all over in Eretz Yisrael in the shadow of the filth and the garbage and the loneliness and the immorality that's in the world. There's going to be guys and girls sitting and learning, and that is the time of Moshiach. 
not physical, but spiritual. There will be Ornavas and Oryitzchaks and places for people to come, for women on a Wednesday night to fill up a room like this, to sit in the shadow of movie theaters and internet and DVDs and books and all this garbage. They didn't have that in the time of the Chassam Seifa. They didn't have that in the times of Chizkiyot. Says Hashem, that is greater. That is greater than the times of Moshe Rabbeinu. That is greater than the times of Chizkiyot. That when Moshiach comes, you know where the Torah is going to be? It's going to be in the shadow of all the filth. And my children are still going to learn Torah. Even in the shadow of the donkey's menorah. They're still going to learn Torah. There's still going to be an Ornava. And there's going to be girls coming on a Wednesday night and a Monday night and a Tuesday night whenever they come to learn Torah to rip themselves away from the shadow of their internet and their garbage that they live in and their, their, their colleges that they go to. That that Jewish girl is going to go to a college where there's filth. It smells like Leonov. It smells worse than the dung of a donkey in the corridors of a college. What you guys have to sit with, and I'm not talking about Turo. Would you have to sit with, okay? And, and the abuse that the professors give to the Jewish girls and the filth that they teach. And from where do they learn that you go to art classes and psychology classes? Who wrote those books? Losers! Yeah, I went through school and I was fascinated by Edgar Allan Poe. Fascinated until I found out that he was a drunk in the sewers. And who was Shakespeare? Who are all these people? Who are all these artists? Check them out. See if you go on a shidduch with one of them. <laughs> you wouldn't go near them. So that's, that's the shadow of the donkey. But that girl, she's running in Brooklyn College and she runs to the Hill House and she opens the siddur to Davin Mincha. Where is she Davin Mincha? In Brooklyn College. She's staying there with Mincha. She's in the shadow of the dung of the donkey. Those are the times of Mashiach. Who would ever daven Mincha in a Brooklyn college in the times of Chizkiyot? There was no such thing. You daven Mincha. You went to the base Hamikdash. There's no base Hamikdash. And now I'll tell you the line that made me jump for joy. What's the difference, says Rav, Rav Pinkus in his share? between godliness and greatness. And he said the following, and this year, he said, Og Melech Abashan, if anyone knows, Og Melech Abashan was a huge giant. Huge. So it says, Moshe Rabbeinu was, was 10 amos tall, 20 feet tall. He jumped 10 amos, he jumped 20 feet, so that's 40 feet. His stick was 10 amos, that's another 20 feet, that's 60 feet. And figure his arm was about 10 feet long, 5 feet, whatever. 65 feet. And when he took his stick to hit Og, he hit him in his ankle. If you want to get an idea. So 65 feet was Og's ankle. So you do, you figure out probably an ankle is 1 30th of your body if you measure it, right? So you do 65 feet times 30. He was big. <laughs> and he was strong. And if you went to Og Melachabashan, who represents power, you said, Og, Come to Mount Everest with me. I want to see you pull it out of the ground. No problem. Old Melech Abashan could pull. He's the representative of strength in this world. He pulls Mount Everest out of the ground. No, what should I do with it? Okay, put it down. Put it down. No problem. Everybody in this room would go, wow, that's greatness. Pull Mount Everest out of the ground and put it back down. He's great. Other people walk around and say, he's God. He can move mountains. Oh, come to my backyard. Okay, I want you to do something in my backyard. Yeah, what do you want? I have a little ant hole. Little, little, little teeny little ant hole. The little ants crawling out. You know, in the summer, they start crawling out of the holes. I want you to go in there. <laughs> Get into the ant hole with the ants. Wallstein, I'm old. I can move mountains. But I can't get into an ant hole. Old is greatness. God says, I'm in Shemayim. I can move mountains. But I also, if you go into the ant hole, you'll find me. That's godliness. Greatness can't do that. 
when I heard this from Shem Shem Pinkus, I went crazy. That's godliness. I don't just live in Shemayim. I don't just move mountains. I can go into the antle. You want to find me? I'm in the antle. I don't just hang around with Sadiqim. Go to South Fallsburg where Rabbi Wallstein went last year. Walk into a house where kids are doing every Aveira in the world. Every Aveira in the world. There was one kid that was in that house that was sitting in the corner learning Chumash. Not normal. The place was flying with everything you can't imagine. There was one guy. He went with his friends. He's not interested. <laughs> He's sitting in that house. In the antle! You can't learn Torah without Hashem. Hashem says, you're in the antle? I'm there with you. That's godliness. That's our God. That's Hashem Echad Wherever you are, no matter how far you fell, no matter how many Avelos, no matter how dirty your Nisham is, no matter where you are, in Aruba somewhere on an island, and you want to dive into me, find a corner to dive into me, I'll be there. How do we know this? Mishnah Pergeavos. Mishnah Pergeavos is the following. Listen carefully. Of Chalafta Mendoza Ishkvar Chananya Omer. Of Chalafta's Mishnah Zion Perigimel. Asarish Yashmi Eskim Torah. Ten people learning Torah. Shechina's there. How do you know that five people? How do you know two people? And he ends up with the following. How do you know if you have some girl that's in Brooklyn College and she went off to the library and she's sitting there, everybody's reading all kinds of garbage in the library and she takes out her chumash because she has a half an hour and she wants to learn her chumash. How do you know that God's in that library? God's in Brooklyn College's library? And the answer is he's God! God can go into the little antle. He can go into the places that the great people don't go. Says the Mishnah, listen to the words. How do you know that one person, one Jewish girl, or one Jewish boy, how do you know they're dominating and learning that Hashem will come? Because it says in the Pasuk, in any place, top of Mount Everest, Anto, sewer, shul, by the kaisel, in college, wherever you are. Wherever you are. Bechol hamakom asher asker Hashem says, I give you a guarantee that any place you mention my name, just mention my name, Baruch atah Hashem, and make a brach on an apple. Who knows where you are? We don't want to talk about where you are. But you're making a brach on an apple. It says, Not just in Shul, on Shabbos, in Ezra's Nashim, in any place, that you'll mention my name, says Hashem, I will crawl into that antle with you. I will come to you. And I will bless you. Is there another religion? Is there another God in the world? There may be greatness in the world, but there is no only God. Hashem Echad Ushmo Echad. That Baruch says, Me, God, the great God, moves mountains, earthquakes, everything. You're dominating to me in Brooklyn College, whatever college you are, or wherever you are. You're coming out of the bathroom, Chasushon, which never happened, in a movie theater. Where you don't belong, and you're coming out of the bathroom. And while you're walking out of the bathroom, you're saying, Hashayotzer! I'm there. I'm there. Wherever you are, just mention my name. And not only am I there, I'll bless you. Because Baruch Hu just wants us to mention his name. And the Yetzirah tells us, eh, you're a loser, you did this sin, you did that sin, he hates you, you can't come back. Lies! That was Chizkiyahu's mistake. That doesn't bring Mashiach. The door of Mashiach is us. And we live in the shadow of the dung of the donkey. And Rabbi Yosef says, just learn. In that door, just learn. And Davin, and that will bring Mashiach. He had a chance, Chizkiyahu, to do it. He said, no, I want the sun to stop. I want the big stuff. 
he should have sang Shira. He didn't sing Shira. He missed the boat. So we see the importance of singing Shira. Listen carefully, girls. You say it so often, you don't even concentrate on what you're saying. In Hallel, the first verse in Hallel is Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Avdei Hashem. What do you say in this? Listen carefully. I read it in English and in Hebrew. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun, we praise Hashem's name. Hashem is greater than all the Goyim. So now we're talking about the first part. Shem and Shemayim is this covered. Who is greater than God? Right? Listen carefully. That lives in the heavens above us. Right? So very nice. But then, look how the Hallelujah changes. And the Hallelujah says, Mekimi me'afadol. He raises the needy from the dust. Me'ashpos yarim evyon. He goes into the garbage dumps. He goes into the worst places where Jewish kids are doing the worst of errors. He goes to the shamas of people who have done every sin that's in the whole Torah. And Hashem says, I will go into those garbages of the broken Jew. Lahoshivi in the divim to, in the dive amo to sit these same people with the nobility, with the tzaddikim of Klai Yisrael. Moshivi akeres habayis. I transform the woman who cannot have children to become aim habanim semecha halaluka, to become a mother of children. Praise be Akash Baruch. This hallelujah shows you both sides of Hashem. The first half talks about Hashem and Shemayim, and he's the, he's the head of all the Goyim, and the last part says, but you know what makes me God? You know what makes me better than greatness? I will go, I will go into your garbage. I will go to the lowest Jew, to the Jew that doesn't believe in me, to the Jew, and I will bring him out. I will lift him up. Yeshiva in the demon. Where are you going to take him? This kid at risk that was thrown out of yeshiva. This kid who did every avera with machal shabbos, he did everything wrong. So where are you taking him, Hashem? Where is he going? He's going to be a regular balabas. Says Hashem, no. I can take this kid who got thrown out of yeshiva, who did nothing his whole life, and I can sit him with the princes because I go into the ashba. It's it's in the mizmor. Hashem says, I go into your ashba. I go into your garbage. I go into the garbage and I take you out and I lift you up. You just got to connect. You just need to say a word no matter where you are. No matter what level, where you are. Whatever you're doing. Hashem says, I'm in the garbage with you. Okay, get into the garbage. All the other gods of all the other religions, they're up on the high. Shem says, I'll go into the garbage with you. I'll find you in the garbage. And I'm going to take you out of the garbage. I'm going to make you the biggest tzaddik in the whole world. And I mean, Hashem, when I give my share on Shavuos, that's exactly where David HaMelech came from. Came from a place that was in the garbage. He came from Rus, who was the daughter of the king of Moab. Who was doing a shidduch with the daughter of the king of Moab? No, you don't even understand what Moab it's like doing Lahavdil, like doing a shidduch with a Nazi's, with a Nazi's daughter. Because Moab to Klai Yisrael were the Nazis. We needed food when we came to them, and they let us starve. There's a hatred between Moab and the Jewish nation forever. Moab and Midian, we know, Balak, Bilam, that whole thing cursing us, and the whole we lost so many people. There's a hatred, like Nazis. Rus came from a German officer. Who's going to make a shidduch with her? Boaz. The biggest tzaddik of the door. What's going on over here? And where did Rus come from? Where did Moab come from, girls? From Lot being with his daughters, from incest. That's where you're bringing Mashiach Hashem? David, the Malchus of Yisrael, from a father and his daughter? And the Torah tells us about this act. And Ramosha Feinstein of the Shalom had a person in his shul. It's a famous story. He writes it. 
He writes, and I'm going to make a copy. You have to read this. So there was a person in a shul who every time they read the Pasha of Lot with his two daughters, he would get up and say, I don't understand how the Torah could write. Uh, it's pornographic Torah. Talks about a father and his daughter. She got him drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got up. He spoke to her Moshe Feinstein like this. And on his deathbed, this man on his deathbed, he was in and out of a coma. He asked for Moshe Feinstein to come right away. And Moshe Feinstein, Feinstein writes this. And Moshe Feinstein came. And he said to Moshe Feinstein, I'm in a very big trouble. When I was in a coma, I saw the two daughters of Lot. And they're shining. And they're tzaddikistas. And they're waiting for me. To punish, I'm going to be so punished in Shemayim for all these years, making fun of them and saying what they did was so terrible, and how could the Torah write it fast for me, do something for me, and he died. And Ramesh Fancy writes this. Be careful how you look at the daughters of Lot. They did it L'Shem Shemayim. They thought the whole world was destroyed. Be careful... Right, so she... So, no, what what... What happened was, what happened was, she named her child Moav. Moav means Me'avi, from my father. So, that's a terrible thing. The kid's walking around. What's your name? Oh, I'm from the incest of my mother and my, my grandfather. So, they, it's a terrible thing. So, why did she do that? Why did she call him Me'avi? She, the other one called him Amon, right? It was Moav and Amon. Why did the oldest daughter of Lot, why did she call him Moav? She should have hid what happened. And the answer is, she wanted everyone to know, don't think that this child came from, like that religion just came from nowhere. It came from my father. It wasn't, I'm not the, the Mary that, you know, in the other religion. It didn't just happen that God came down. So everyone should know, may of This is no, what's the word in English? Immaculate conception. So, what he was complaining about, she was a Tadekistan. She named her son, don't anyone walk around and say he just came from Shemayim. It was, it's for my father. So what I'm going to speak about for Shavuos is, what's going on here? That's where Mashiach comes from? That's where Dovah Amela comes from? Should come from, nice, from Yichus, from the Rebbe's, a hundred generations back, you know? And the Zayah says, contrary to what all of you believe in this room, that Mashiach that's going to come, in Mitzvah Shem and Ardar, is coming from the same place. From a very hidden low place that the Satan is not going to look for him. From a very different, not in a very rechaz v'sham, from a very different place. We're all thinking some rabbi is going to get up and he's going to be goli, I'm a shiach. It's going to come from a place that the Satan is not looking. And the Zayar explains we don't understand that that's why it had to come from Lot, from that, because the Satan, he said, from such an act, how could anything come? So he didn't bother with those neshamas. Meanwhile, that's how the Neshama of Mashiach and David and the whole David got snuck into this world because whatever, Kishboko has his ways. But we, who wrote? Who wrote to Hillam? David Amelech, who was called every kind of name, it's not for tonight, they thought he was born. It was, it was a bracha when she got married. We were married Boaz, so she got a bracha from Kleisfeld said that you should be, your marriage should be like Rachel and Leah. You gotta be careful what kind of bracha you gave. So they asked, why'd you give a bracha, a bracha, and Why not Sarah and Rivka? And the answer is, that what happened later with David Amelech's father, who was Yishai, who says never sinned in his life, and if it wasn't for the Nachash, he would have never died. Yishai was a perfect tzaddik. But there was a big machlekes in Klai Yisrael, which we're gonna talk about more, about, about Moavi, Moavis, the whole thing with that. So they came to him after he had seven kids, and they said, we don't think that you're Jewish the way you're supposed to because Yishai came from Rus, and you can't be married to a nice Jewish woman. You need to to get divorced. So he said, I'm not going to get divorced, but I'm going to separate. And he separated from his wife. And they said, you can marry a Shifcha. Being that you come from such a no Yichus, you can marry your Shifcha. So they made up, because the Tzadik's not supposed to be alone. He's going to marry a Shifcha, his wife, who's a big Tzadik, because the Yishai's wife said, my husband's going to sleep with, he's going to be with a, with a Shifcha. So she bought out the shifcha, she paid off the shifcha, and she made a switch, just like Rachel and Leah. She made a switch, and Yishai didn't know that it was his wife, he thought it was the shifcha, and she got pregnant from that night. So now, all of a sudden, Yishai's ex-wife, who he was separated from, is walking around pregnant. He never divorced her, so automatically she had to commit adultery. If he wasn't with her and she's pregnant, she committed adultery, which means that that child is a mamzer. And a mamzer, Leyavah Bikal Hashem. So what does Hashem do? The Kishbuch who runs the world. 
So they right away, when she became pregnant, the brother said, the minute this child is born, he's a mamzer, out of the house. We have to th- cut him away. Into Beis Lechem, goodbye. Let him take the sheep, let him go into the desert, never to be seen again. He is the disgrace of the home of Yishai. Yishai himself didn't know. He thought that, what did Hashem do? The Ramelech was born, redhead. All the other bro- brothers, dark black hair. He was born a redhead. Ah! Oh, that's the proof he's a mamzer. All the other seven kids in St. Collier, this kid, kid's born on a redhead with freckles. Short, he was short, they were tall. He was the, he's the shortest of them all. You'll see later, we'll talk next week, I don't have time tonight. The whole fight between him and Gully. I mean, whenever, when, next year, him and Gully, it's amazing. Little Jewish redhead. He called him. Gully looked at him, he said, you little redhead are coming up against me, the warrior of the world. He was short, the Melch was short, and he was red. So they said, ah, see Hashem, how we can mistranslate when we judge other people. You see, Hashem showed. He wanted to show the family he's a redhead. He doesn't match the rest of them. We're talking right what we think, that we suspect. Meanwhile, he was born, Bikidusha, from Yishai's wife, Bikidusha. He was sent out by himself to Beis Lechem. The Jews made fun of him. Everyone thought he was a mamzer. When anything was stolen in Beis Lechem, they said it's the little redhead from the, from the desert. And it says, it brings down, that David Abelach paid every time that they said he stole something. He stole, never stole anything. He would pay back, even though he wasn't a Ganath. This is where David Abelach comes from. From the garbage, from the kid that's thrown out of school, from the kid at risk, from the kid that the teacher says, you're never going to grow up to be anything, Wallerstein. <laughs> you're going to be in the sewer. That's what you're going to be. Nothing's going to come out of you. From those kids. Kirsch Boker says, I go into the ant hole. I'm with those kids. That's where I hang out. Oh, you go move mountains. But that's where I hang out. That's where David Amelech came from. That's where Yosef HaTzadik came from. Sold by his brothers. A slave. A Midianite slave. Sold to a... I don't want to tell you what this man was. That he was sold to Potiphar. To the lowest immoral person in the world. And his wife even lower. To the lowest family in the world. Yosef HaTzadik. Moshe Rabbeinu thrown out of, of Mitzrayim, thrown into the desert. His, his father-in-law put him in a prison for seven, eight years in a dungeon. Thrown away, forgotten. Moshe Rabbeinu, Yosef HaTzadik, David HaMelech, Me'ash Pois Yorim Evyoin, from the guys that are in the desert, from the guys that everyone's talking about, from the girls that everyone gave up on. HaKadosh says, I'm God. I go into the garbage. I go into the ant hole. And from that ant hole, I will take them and I will bring them to become princesses and princes. And Chizkiyahu didn't understand that. And Hashem said, if you don't understand that, then you can't be Mashiach. Mashiach has to understand he's going to walk into a door of internet. He's going to walk into a door of movies. He's going to walk into a, a door of music that you never heard anything like that. That they rhyme words of murder and killing and, and debasing women and the worst things. And the world, oh, it's unbelievable, you got to hear it. That there's going to be such a world. And Chizkiyahu, you can't be a king in that world. Because you don't know how to sing Shira about plain little things. And in that world that we live in, there's not going to be any great things, girls. It's going to be plain little things. And we need to sing Shira if we want to bring Mashiach. And Rav Shem says, <laughs> he came from parents that came from Europe, that came from the Holocaust. He said, girls, boys, he says, you walk into your, your refrigerator, you're hungry, you open your refrigerator. Right? On a Sunday evening, you have all the leftovers from Shabbos. The kogel your mother wrapped up, and the chicken, and the, the cholent, and the fish, the filter fish that's left over, and you open the refrigerator, and it's packed. You, you can't squeeze a, a string cheese in there. It's like, forget about it. It's so packed. And you open that refrigerator. <laughs> You go to the snack drawer and you open it up. Baked fries, potato chips, barbecue, onion, onion rings, and you ding, and this and that, and a million different things. And you look at it, <sighs> doesn't hit me. Doesn't hit me. Doesn't hit me. Ma, there's nothing here. And you go to the pizza shop. You ever hang out in the pizza shop? It's too well done, it's too soft, not enough cheese. Pizza shop, 
the night of, of Pesach when everyone ran to the pizza shop, everybody's walking out with their pizza. Imagine, you didn't have pizza for eight days. This thing smells like unbelievable, right? Everyone's walking out with pizza. Yeah, I got a pizza, but it's the, the, the dough is like raw. It's, it's no good. It's raw. That's how you sing Shira Tashem. You have a refrigerator. They didn't have refrigerator grills 200 years ago. No refrigerator. They had ice boxes. 100 years ago, where they schlepped the ice up and they schlepped the ice up. They have refrigerators. So they couldn't have refrigerators. Diet Sprite. Diet Zero. Fresca. Mm, 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 mm. No, no. Mm, 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 mm. So the guy comes home on a Sunday night. Right? And, 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 and he's looking through the refrigerator and he's like, nah, 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 this and that, and this cake's no good, and that cake's no good, this is no good. He turns to his wife and he says, Chani, we have nothing to eat in this house. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, because she's also a spoiled brat. <laughs> and she's like, you're right, go get falafel. And he goes to the falafel store now. When I was young, and when falafels first came out, you got a falafel with falafel balls and a little tchina and some salad. Today, the red sauce, the white sauce, the green sauce, the hot pepper, the pickle, the sauerkraut. Who walks out of the pizza shop? Thank you, Hashem! I want to sing Shira for my falafel. The guy comes home. Honey, I bought your falafel. She sits down. It's the end of the world. It's the Holocaust. What happened? He forgot she doesn't like Trina. And they pour Trina, Trina, and you know, uh, the bag gets wet on the bottom and it opens up, and then the paper opens up, and then when you try to eat it, it goes all over your dress and all over the place. And oh my goodness, she says to him, I don't understand you. You know I don't like Trina. And then comes those words that you always hear. And if it was your mother's falafel, you would have remembered. And if it was your sister's falafel, you would have remembered. But it's my falafel. You don't care, we're going to the rough. You don't love me anymore? We're finished. It's over. That's not going to bring Mashiach. <laughs> but if you go to your refrigerator and you open it up and there's five kinds of cheeses and five kinds of sodas and five, and you open up your fruit bin and there's a pear and an apple and an orange and a peach and a plum and grapes and cherries and in the middle of the winter there's cherries and things that nobody ever dreamed of in their life and watermelon and this and that. And you turn around and you say, why, why? I don't need so much. You're unbelievable. All these different colors and all these different fruits. That's Shira. That's what Hashem wants to hear. Somebody said to me today, what an amazing day today. When you got up this morning, you walked out of your house. What an amazing day. I'm thanking Hashem. He told me, Rebbe, I'm thanking Hashem that He gave us such a beautiful day. I said, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. You're thanking Hashem that you're able to see the beautiful day, smell the beautiful day, hear the beautiful day. Because a beautiful day to a blind person is not a beautiful day. The sun is clear. There's no clouds. He's blind. So it's not the sun and the clouds and all that. It's you. It's thank you, Hashem. I have eyes to see that it's a beautiful day. So you first have to thank Hashem. That's your moda'ani in the morning. So Yechezkiyo said, Shira? I should think Shira because I opened my refrigerator and there's blue milk and green milk and red milk? That's why I should think Shira? No, if like crazy miracles happen, then I'll, then I'll say the whole Tehillim. Then I'll say the whole Tehillim. If I find my Shidduch, first guy I'm going out with, oh, I'll give you my whole Tehillim, Hashem. That's not what Hashem said. That's not going to bring Mashiach. That's Chizkiyo. That's wrong. Yahu said, sing Shira for everything. Sing Shira for everything that happens in your life. That will bring Mashiach. And everybody, girls, I'm finished. Every single person has their own Shira. No two Shiras are alike. And that's why Hashem loves when we sing Shira Takash Baruch there's a three-way machlokis in Oz Yashir. How Oz Yashir was said. How was it said? Rashi, there's a three-way machlokis. One says that it was said, Rabbi Akiva says, that it was just said word for word, and the Jews said, Oshir Allah Hashem. In other words, we, Moshe Rabbeinu said, said the whole Oz Yashir. Okay? And the Jews said every paragraph, Moshe said, Ashir Hashem ki all the Jews screamed, Ashir Hashem. Sus Rahma Ramayam, all the Jews screamed, Ashir Hashem. That's what Rabbi Akiva says. 
Rabbi Elazar says, no. Moshe, Moshe said a pasuk, and we repeated it. Moshe said a pasuk, and we repeated it. Rabbi Nechemia says, and that's what Rashi says, that Moshe opened his mouth to say it, and every Jew opened their mouth, and through Ruch HaKodesh, they all said the same shira. So everyone would think that Rabbi Nechemia was the right one. Because if I tell you to sing to Hashem, follow what I say. Hashem, we love you. And you all scream, Hashem, we love you. Sounds like gospel, right? Hashem, we love you. Hashem, we love you. You're not singing Shira. It's not coming from your heart. You're, you're, mimicking, you're following what I'm saying. Well, if I say, Hashem is the greatest, and you say, Amen. You're not singing Shira. I'm singing Shira. And the Chemi says that all of you, whatever I have in my mind that I'm going to thank Hashem for, you're all going to start screaming at the same time, we love you, Hashem, for apples. And everybody said it at the same moment. So you would think that that's the real Shira. So what does Rabbi Akiva say? What kind of Shira is that? Moshe says it, and then you say Shira Hashem. And the answer is that each one of them is right. Because when Moshe said, to each person who heard that, it meant something else. And therefore, each person who said, it meant something else. If I say, thank you Hashem for a beautiful day, every girl in this room, it's thinking a different, that one saying the weather, one saying I had a good day in school, one saying I had a good day here, one saying it was a good here day. One, you know, each, each person is having in their idea of what that means, but it's the same shira. So therefore, if Shimshim Pinkus ends his shira and he says that everybody has their own shira. You can't, nobody can say a shira for somebody else. And Hashem wants to hear each one of our shiras, when you open a refrigerator, when you come out of the bathroom, when you're, when you're, when you're able to, to read something and use your intellect to put two things together, when you're able to remember something, because Bochum wants you to sing shira, that's what's going to bring Mashiach. That's the shira that we're going to say in the door that Nebuch were in, the door that sits in the shadow of, of, of the donkey's waist. This, I, I've said this many times, not really here in, in Arnava, and I'm going to end with this. There was a person called Menashe, he was a big Russia. The opposite of Chizkiyo. When he was king, there wasn't one house that didn't have the internet. I mean, Abu Zara. <laughs> Not one house. I'm pounding a little bit on the internet today because it needs to be pounded. But, not one person clashed on Abu Zara. He put Abu Zara in the base Hamikdash. He put Abu Zara on every corner in Yerushalayim. He was the worst that there was in the whole world. Menashe Harasha. And the king of Bavel captured him and put him in a pot of water where he belonged. And they lit a fire in the pot and they were going to cook him like a cannibal. They were going to cook this king because he was the king of Israel. So they didn't care. Abayizara, not Abayizara. The king of Bavel was going to boil this king, Menashe, the Jewish king, to death. Menashe stood in the middle of that pot. This is a Gemara. Menashe stood in the middle of that pot and he started to scream the name of his Abayizara's. That they should help him. Google, help me! Nothing. Yahoo, help me! Nothing. MySpace, help me! Nothing. Facebook, help me! Nothing. Whatever he screamed. 50 Cent, help me! Nothing. Madonna, nothing. Whatever he screamed, nothing else. He went through every one of his avoidances. Every movie. Every actor. Everybody. He went through them all. He was screaming till the blood was running out of his ears. Help me, I'm being boiled to death. No answer. He turned to Hashem. Says the Gemara, he turned to Hashem and he looked up and he said, God, Yudke Vovke, if you are there, you have to save me. And if you don't save me, you're not God. That's what he said. The Malachim came running to Hashem and they built a wall. They said, Hashem, this Russia put Avoid Zara in the base of Migdash, destroyed, took every Jewish person and took him off the derech. You cannot forgive him and you cannot save him. And they built a wall in front of the Kisei HaKavot that Menashe's tefillah, that Russia should not reach Hashem. Says the Medrash, says the Gemara, Hashem went ahead and he dug a tunnel underneath his Kisei HaKavot and through the tunnel, pulled Menashe out of the pot and brought him to Yerushalayim. So when Malachim built a wall in front of Hashem, Hashem said, you're not going to stop me from saving him. And he dug a tunnel, and he saved Menashe. And it goes on to say, 
that if Menashe would have davened to Hashem in that part, Hashem, I was wrong. Hashem, I'm sorry what I did. I took all your children, I sold them TVs, I sold them plasmas. I'm such a Russia, I feel so bad what I did to Klai Yisrael. Please forgive me and save me! Hashem would have let him die. He would have boiled to death. Hashem wouldn't have helped him. But because he said to Hashem, I challenge you, if you don't save me, you're not God, because Barucho had to save him. He had no choice. Why? Why? Great question. Why? The answer is amazing. Menashe was brilliant. He was brilliant. You know, Kola Tarakula. He was brilliant. Listen to his brilliance. He said the following. He said, God, if I could be so bad, so bad, that you can't forgive me, then there's something in the world that you can't do. And if there's something in the world you can't do, you're not God. You hear what he said? Again. He said to Hashem, if there's a person in the world that is so bad, that you're so angry at him, that there's no way you can forgive him, then there's something in the world you can't do. You can't forgive him. But God can do everything. So if you can't save me, you're not God. There's nobody in the world, even a Menashe, that could be so bad that a Kashbarhu won't save him. This door that we're living in, we're not that bad. So for sure, Kashbarhu can save us, he could take us and bring us to become princes and kings. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.